You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates. That all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you. To see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages. Creator. Author. Victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people. And it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained. Overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome back to the program. This is Mark Lichtenwalter with Fundamentally Mormon, uh, part of Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Uh, Today we're going to be getting into episode 491, which uh, is Revelations 1880 to 1890. So this was a book compiled by Ogden Kraut in 1970, And he basically went over a bunch of revelations that were received by leaders of the LDS Church that were, thus saith the Lord, revelations or visitations from the resurrected Joseph Smith or um, or and the resurrected Savior um, that were not canonized in LDS Scripture, partly because at the time they were all in hiding in the underground. Um, there, in order to canonize a scripture, you have to have uh, it be presented before the conference, or a general conference for sustaining vote, and that wasn't able to happen in the 1880s to 1890s because the federal government was going after all of the leaders of the LDS Church, so they had to do something called the underground where you know, people were hiding the leaders of the LDS church so that the federal government wouldn't throw them into prison. Um, Some of them did get thrown into prison. They did have to wear the black and white stripes of being federal prisoners for breaking the laws of the land concerning polygamy. And John Taylor and Wilford Woodruff wanted to know what they should do. Anyway, by the time... um, they finally compromised with the Gentiles in the 1890s. Uh, they issued a man-made document, which we call the First Manifesto, uh, which was issued in 1890, and it was like a press release. Um, now, that's in the Doctrine and Covenants, and but it's not a section because it was never sustained and they never presented the actual revelation that we know as the manifesto in 1890 
to the church. They only presented this to whom it may concern document, which is not a manifestation. And in fact, Charles Penrose, who was one of the... uh, the leaders of the church at the time admitted later that he wrote the revelation with one one other person and that it was a lie to beat the devil at their own game. And they continued to seal plural celestial marriages well into the 1900s where they had to issue a second manifesto, which was also a press release, not a thus saith the Lord revelation. And they sent people off to live plural celestial marriage outside of the church, which is where fundamentalists come from, and the church created them. And the church uh, told them that when the laws of the land permitted them to legally seal plural marriages, that they would be welcomed back into the church, which never happened. And in fact, later on, the church actually ostracized these people Um called them all kinds of names like apostates and heretics and whatnot and became their enemies. But at first they were not the enemies of the church. They were doing what what the church leaders asked them to do in order to keep the principle of plural celestial marriage alive. So anyway, this is uh, we're going to do these in parts. This is part one. And it's not a huge book. We'll probably get through it, <clears throat> I don't know, within a week. Um, But this is part one, and I'll just read the introduction. So, by the way, um, no phone calls. Uh, I have gone straight to podcast format. If you do want to be a guest on the program or you do have a question, um, you're going to have to ask it in the comments, which you could find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon. Or in iTunes, if you want to go and write a review, that's great. Uh, Well, hopefully you give us a a good rating. But um, you can also find this posted, and I'll post it in Facebook at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. Um, I also have uh, different groups that I admin and pages as well. And those pages would be Messiah Ben Joseph. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith Discussion Group, Zion's Redemption Bookstore, Zion's Redemption Radio Network, Church of the Living Messiah, The Kingdom of God or Nothing Radio Program and Podcast, the one, Our One Mighty and Strong, The Second Witness of the Father. Those are my pages that I post to on Facebook and the groups that I post to that are my groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mystery, uh, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith Discussion Group, which is uh, LDS or, you know, a Mormon group, School of the Prophets, Uncensored Faithful Study of the Restoration. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, and then there's Uncensored LDS Church Experiences and Doctrines. And then there's a bunch of groups that I post to that where the admins allow me to post. And, you know, it's funny. Um, these groups that I'm an admin of were given to me by other people who wanted me to run these groups, and then they left. 
this has happened over to me uh, to me over and over again. That's why I have so many different groups that that I am the lead admin in, or that I am the sole admin in. Not because I went and started a bunch of groups. I just would post in groups, and then the admins would decide that they liked my message, and they gave the group to me. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, so let's get into the reading of Revelations 1880 to 1890, and this will be part one. The following revelations were previously compiled and printed in two separate publications. Part one was a collection of which most or which had already been circulated. The revelations in part two were located more recently in the family journal. Now, real quick, I'm separating these up into separate parts that don't have anything to do with the part one and part two that he's talking about, just so that I can separate them up into manageable uh, sections uh, dealing with each of the revelations um, so I can, you know, put them out there in this podcast format to educate the people about these things that they probably don't know about. I was just listening to uh, Radio Free Mormon, which I, I love listening to him, and Bill Real, which I can't stand that guy. But whatever. Um, and they were talking about this on one of their radio programs, and they didn't really get... I mean, I could tell that they kind of knew about it and that they kind of... Um, they kind of read up on it, but then they didn't know a bunch of simple points that they should have known if they actually did some decent study into the the subject before they decided to do a podcast on it, you know. So, um, so I decided, you know what? I just finished reading the United Order, and this is coming up where people are talking about this. So let's make a detailed podcast about what these are, and and it, it's not just one revelation. There were several revelations and visitations and all of that 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 happened that that maybe other people don't know about. So yeah, this is educational purposes only, and that's what the Church of the Living Messiah is for the most part. We're an education ministry. Um, we do ordinances and stuff like that from t- time to time, but we don't hold regular meetings. And, you know, that's fine. And there's a bunch of people who I have baptized. I don't charge anybody anything, and I don't ask for your tithing. Although sometimes I feel I feel like maybe I should ask for people's help and donations because it does take equipment. I mean, right now I'm using several hundred dollars worth of stuff plus paying for this, you know, this service so that these things can be put out there. But um, I work full time as a truck driver and I don't want people's money. And in fact since I do not belong to any organized church, my tithing funds go into the into creating these podcasts, so I fund it through what I would have paid the LDS church in tithing, but now they won't accept my tithing because I believe in the Adam-God doctrine, and we can't have that, and I can't be in the church, so whatever, I don't pay tithing to them anymore, so I use this tithing in other ways, and this is part of the way I 
use tithing to educate people. So anyway, so this is actually the third, I think, reprinting of this book that that was written originally in 1970, and the third reprinting was actually in 1986. So anyway, preface. During the 1880s, the church suffered the indig- indig- indignities of persecution, prosecution, and confiscation of property. The leading men of the church were in prison and dodging persecution. President John Taylor, who was, by the way, the third president of the LDS Brighamite Church, which is located based in Salt Lake City, Utah, spent most of his time as president of the church living in the underground to avoid avoid imprisonment. In the deepest of these sufferings, the Lord was mindful of his people, and he bestowed upon them light and revelation for their comfort and encouragement. A few of many revelations received during this time were recorded in journals on scraps of paper or published in European editions of the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, I said this before and I'll say it again. Those do exist. I have seen a copy of the um, one of the European editions of the Doctrine and Covenants where they actually put it in there as one of the sections. You know, and but they never did in the LDS church, and then later on they took it out of the uh, the European edition, probably because they were never able to s- set it before the church for sustaining vote. And then by the time the 1890s came along, and they they started issuing that lie of the manifesto to beat the devil at his own game and get the federal government to get off their backs. Um, that kind of what would have gone against that. So they never issued it. And then people want to say that it doesn't exist and they want to lie and obfuscate. And, uh, well, we're not going to let that happen here because we like truth and we don't like to do, we don't like to prevaricate. We don't like to intentionally mislead people about things. We're going to expose everything to the light of day, whether or not the church admits it or likes it or not, because that's the way we are here at Fundamentally Mormon and the Church of the Living Messiah. And uh, I don't care, you know, and I actually am glad they excommunicated me because they would have excommunicated me anyway. And there's so many people in the church who know things, but they won't say anything because they don't want their membership in the organization to be destroyed because then the church ostracizes you. It screws up with your family. I mean, I've had family members that won't even talk to me anymore because of the things that I talk about. They block me on Facebook, which is weird because I never even tried to post on their walls, but they would see what I was posting and then they'd get mad because follow the prophet, you know. So... (laughs) Um, so they won't say things. I've had so many people that I've baptized or that have come to meetings that I am in or have asked me to, to attend conferences and be speakers for their little groups, you know, and they're still in the LDS church, but they know about these things. And there's so many people like that. And, um, and one of the things that I think is funny, just personally think it's funny I've had people come to me who were members of the LDS church and didn't want to lose their membership, but they, they believe that I am who I say that I am. 
and that uh, they would like to be rebaptized by me, and I'll do that for them. And then they go back into their churches, and then we have these meetings where the LDS church can't track you, and they listen to these programs, and they're secretly members of the Church of the Living Messiah, but they're still in their wards and stakes. And I think it's funny because it's like, unintentionally, I didn't mean to do this, but unintentionally I'm sending moles into the church and then those moles um, who have who I have baptized or who have joined the Church of the Living Messiah, they share things, you know, and eventually they get excommunicated and they have to leave or whatever. And then, uh, you know, whatever happens. I've actually had so many people, not only have I... Um, this radio program that I do and that I have been doing these podcasts since January of 2014, there are a ton of people who have joined the LDS church because of this program, even though I'm critical of the LDS church. And I think it's funny. And then the other people that I think are funny are um, people who will become fundamentalists and they leave the LDS church to join a fundamentalist group. Now, one of my favorite fundamentalist groups is the Righteous Branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, They're based in Tonopah, uh, Nevada, and uh, one of my good friends, Benjamin Schaefer, actually runs a branch of the Righteous Branch in, uh, well, sometimes they meet in Salem, Utah, sometimes they meet in um, Spanish Fork, Utah, but then there's other branches around. And I'm always running into those guys, and there's probably about four or 500 of them. Um, in different scattered groups. There's a group down in Cedar City, but they have regular meetings. So instead of, you know, joining the Church of the Living Messiah, which we don't have regular meetings and congregation, um, they'll join the Righteous Branch because they actually do. And they actually have a temple. Uh, They have two temples, actually. And um, they have the endowment the unaltered endowment of Brigham Young, which is huge. It's huge because the LDS Church took an all-day-long process of an endowment and they've whittled it down to under two hours and there's a bunch of stuff that you're missing because they keep monkeying with the program, which... um, President Russell M. Nelson is trying to like make excuses for in general conference. So they just had general conference in October of 2021 and they were trying to make excuses as to why they changed the endowment and we can just do what we want because we're the prophets, seers and revelators of, of God on the earth. And, you know, and I know that they're responding to this radio program and to other radio programs or podcasts where people are asking critical questions of the church and pointing out things, but they don't have they don't have the right to do to change what God has given. That's like changing the scriptures because they don't like it, which they have done. I mean, the fact of the matter is, before 1880, the church in the church it was taught that Jehovah and Jesus were not the same person, but then they decided. You know, over from 1880 to around 1921, there was a a bunch of division in the church about Jesus being Jehovah or Jesus being the father of Jehovah or the grandfather of Jehovah. 
you know, but it contradicts Ether chapter 3, where Jesus says, I have not shown myself to man before this point. And that was after the flood that he said that, and he said, this is my spirit body. But before the flood, Jehovah had walked and talked and walked face to face with Enoch and Methuselah and Adam and a whole bunch of other people. And then after the flood, he actually wrestled with Jacob with a resurrected body. Um, and he went to Abraham and sat down with Abraham in his tent with like three other angel dudes that were resurrected before the resurrection. And he had a, a meal with Abraham of meat and dairy, which Jesus couldn't have done because he was a spirit at the time, you know? So, but the LDS church will change and they've changed so much stuff, but, um, they think that they can do that and they they can't. The scriptures are eternal. <laughs> you know, doctrine is eternal. You can't just change something because, well, I think this is wrong, so I think I'm going to change it. Or I I don't feel like the endowment is necessary, so I'm just going to take out 80% of the endowment or whatever it is. You know, but the LDS church does that where they, they change things and that's why fundamentalists exist partly and that's why the righteous branch of the church of jesus christ exists because they're not putting up with it and they have you know people have i think it was uh it was 1978 when that group started and uh and and it wasn't over the priesthood ban they actually started the group before that happened uh, which they've got a bunch of folklore about in their group. But, um, but you know, a lot of people think, well, they started in 1978, so they must have been. Actually, no. They were organized in the spring of, eight, uh, of 1978, and the race and the priesthood issue was released in, I think, October or the fall general conference. So, yeah, they didn't start their group because of that. They started their group for other reasons, which I won't get into on this program. Anyway, continuing with the reading, those printed here are subject to con controversy because of the manner in which they were recorded or printed. What little documentation has been available is included in the notes following each revelation. The reader must read these revelations in the light of apocryphal works, enlightened or benefited by whatever inspiration he can derive therefrom. Ogden Kraut. Page 1. Revelation of January 26, 1880. Given through Wilford Woodruff in Sunset, Arizona. Revelation given to Wilford Woodruff while at Sunset, Arizona, January 26, 1880. This revelation was given for comfort, instruction, and showing forth the will of God concerning the nation and its inhabitants of Zion. The government was pr uh, prosecuting and persecuting the saints through the Edmund Tucker Law, uh, causing them much distress and imprisonment. The revelation was in response to the prayer, the prayers and desires of Wilford Woodruff to know the will of the Lord concerning the saints and their destiny, and the reasons for their persecutions. Number one, verse one. Thus saith the Lord unto my ser servant Wilford Woodruff, I have heard thy prayer and will answer thy petition. 
I will make known unto thee my will concerning the nations whom encumber, encumber the land of promise and also concerning Zion and her inhabitants. Verse 2. I have already revealed my will concerning this nation through the mouth of my servant Joseph, who sealed his testimony with his own blood, which testimony has been in force upon all of the world from the hour of his death. Verse 3. What I, the Lord, have revealed in the testament and decree upon this nation and upon all the nations of the earth shall be fulfilled, saith the Lord of hosts. I, the Lord, have spoken and will be obeyed. My purposes shall be fulfilled upon this nation and no power shall stay my hand. The hour is is at the door when my wrath and indignation will be poured out Upon the wicked of this nation. Verse 4. Their murders, blasphemies, lying, whoredom, and abominations have come up before my face and before before the heavens, and the and the wrath of my indignation is full. Verse 5, which we're on page 2. I have decreed plagues to go forth and waste mine enemies. And not many years hence, they shall not be left to pollute my heritage. So, we're still waiting for that to happen, by the way. Anyway, verse 6, and it will happen. So, anyway, all right, so verse 6. The devil is ruling over his kingdom, and my spirit has no place in the hearts of the rulers of this nation. And the devil stirs them up to defy my power and make war upon my saints. Therefore, let mine apostles and mine elders who are faithful who are faithful obey my commandment which are already written for their profit and guidance. Verse four. Thus saith the Lord unto my servant John Taylor and my servant Wilfred Woodruff and my servant Orson Pratt and to all of the residue of mine apostles. Have you not gone forth in my name without purse or script and declared the gospel of life and salvation unto this nation and the nations of the earth and warned them of the judgments which are to come? As you have been moved upon by the power of the Holy Ghost and the inspiration of the Lord. Verse 8. You have done this year by year for the whole generation as men count time. Therefore, your garments are clean of the blood of this generation and especially of this nation. Verse 9. Therefore, as I have said in former in a former commandment, so I, the Lord, say again unto mine apostles, Go ye alone by yourselves, whether in heat or cold, and cleanse your feet in, wo- in water, pure water. It mattereth not whether it be by the running stream or in your closet, but leave these testimonies before the Lord and the heavenly hosts. And when you have done, when when you all have all done this, then gather yourselves together in your holy places and clothe yourselves with the robes of the holy priesthood and there offer up your prayers according to my holy law. Let him who presides 
be mouth and kneel at the holy altar and let mine apostles bring all these testimonies before my face and before the heavenly hosts and before the the justified spirits made perfect. And we're on page three, which is 24%. And thus saith the Lord unto you, mine apostles, when you bring these testimonies before me, let them be presented by name as far as the spirit shall present them unto you. Verse 11, the president of the United States, the Supreme Court, the cabinet, the Senate, the House of Congress of the United States, the governors of the states and territories and judges and others sent unto you and all men and persons who have taken taken any per, part in persecuting you and bringing distress upon you or your families or who have sought your lives or sought to hinder you from keeping my commandments or from enjoying the rights which the constitutional laws of the land guarantee unto you. Verse 12. And what I, the Lord, say unto you, mine apostles, I also say unto my servants, the seventies, the high priests, the elders, the priests, and all of my servants who are pure in heart and who have borne testimony unto the nations. Let them go forth and cleanse their feet in pure water and bear testimony of it unto the Father who is in heaven. Verse 13. And then saith, saith the Lord unto mine, mine apostles and mine elders, when ye do these things with purity of heart, I the Lord will hear your prayers and, and bound by oath and covenant to defend you and fight your battles. Verse 14. As I have said in former commandments, it is not my will that mine elders should fight the battles of Zion, for I will fight your battles. Verse 15. Nevertheless, let no man be afraid to lay down his life for my sake, for he that layeth down his life for my sake shall find it again and have eternal life. Verse 16. This nation is ripened in iniquity, and the cup of of the wrath of mine indignation is full, and I will not stay my hand in judgments upon this nation or the nations of the earth. And we're on page four at 33%. Verse 17, I have decreed wars and judgments upon the wicked, and my wrath and indignation are about to be poured out upon them, and the wicked and the rebellious shall know that I am God. Verse 18, as I, the Lord, have spoken, so I will I fulfill. I will spare none who remain in Babylon, but I will burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. As I, the Lord, have suffered, so will I put all enemies under my feet. For I, the Lord, utter my word, and it shall be obeyed. Verse 19, and the day of wrath and indignation shall come upon the wicked. Verse 20. And I say again, woe unto that nation or house of people who seek to hinder my people from obeying the patriarchal law of Abraham, which leadeth to celestial glory, which has been revealed unto my saints through the mouth, the mouth of my servant Joseph, or whatsoever doth come, these things shall be damned, saith the Lord of hosts. 
and shall be broken up and wasted away from under heaven by the judgments which I have sent forth and which shall not return unto me void. Verse 21. And thus and thus with the, the sword and by bloodshed and with famine and plagues and earthquakes and thunders of heaven and the vivid lightning shall this nation and the nations of the earth be made to feel the chastening hand of an almighty God until they are broken up and destroyed and wasted away from under heaven. And no power can stay my hand. Therefore, let the wicked tremble. Let them that blaspheme my name hold their lips, for destruction will swiftly overtake them. And Real quick. That was verse 21. Um, the Lord has sent judgments out. And you're seeing that happen. But he is merciful and long-suffering and patient because he knows that as the work goes forth, people will accept the re- the restoration and the and the gospel. And you know they go into preschool and elementary school in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. But eventually they grow up and they become middle schoolers or college students or high schoolers, or whatever. And they begin to learn about these things, which is college level Mormonism, if if you will, you know, but God has been patient, but his patience is wearing thin and we should be happy for that long suffering patience. In 2015, he actually released several plagues upon the earth, starting with mental plagues. And then after that will come these physical plagues, but the, the Lord didn't release the pandemic, that was a man-made thing as far as I'm concerned. That's what I believe. Um, I believe COVID was a, a genetically engineered virus to do what it's doing, and it's working perfectly uh, to their purposes. But anyway, um, in 2015, he began to release these del- uh, plagues of delusion. Uh, pl- there's a bunch of plagues, and I don't, I don't remember where I put the revelation because I'm an idiot and I post all this stuff and then I'm like oh crap where did I post that or I'll have it in a, some memory thing and I forget to I'll forget what I titled it and then I have to like go through all of my documents to find where in the world this revelation was at but in 2015 revelation revelation thus saith the Lord revelation was received where God talks about the plagues that he has unleashed I think that it actually started in 2013, but the revelation about it was received in 2000. I can't remember. Anyway, like I said, I'm not the greatest at this. Anyway, uh, verse 22. All that I, the Lord, have spoken through the mouths of my prophets and apostles since the world began concerning the last dispensation and the fullness of times concerning my church, which has been called out of the wilderness of darkness and error, concerning Zion and the kingdom of God, concerning Babylon the Great, and what I have spoken through the mouth of my servant Joseph shall be fulfilled. Page 5 at 42%. And we are on verse 23. And though the heavens and earth shall pass away, my word shall not pass away, but shall be fulfilled, saith the Lord. Verse 24, these revelations and testimonies are before you. 
Let my saints search the word of the Lord and treasure up wisdom and be prepared for that for that which is to come. Verse 25. As I have decreed, so shall my judgments begin at the house of God. And uh, the reason for that is because the house of God is out of order, which Jesus said it would become out of order. And Doctrine and Covenants, section 85, he would have to send one mighty and strong, a prophet who would uh, set the house of God in order. And I don't, I don't want to get too much into this, but Isaiah chapter 28 talks about the one mighty and strong going among the drunkards of Ephraim, and he teaches they who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. That means that he teaches them the meat of the doctrine of of the, of, of the restoration. You know, and people are ready for it, and they come out of the drunkards of Ephraim, which is the church, which is what Isaiah saw, and they do that because the one mighty and strong is teaching them. And I I proclaim that the fulfillment of that scripture was seen by Isaiah today. This is that. This is that. Anyway, verse, um, we'll just read verse 25 again. As I have decreed, so shall my judgments begin at the house of God. Verse 26. There are those in my church who have a name among you who are adulterers and adulteresses and who and those who blaspheme my name and those who love and make a lie and those who revel and drink with the drunken verse 27 if they do not speedily repent of this wickedness and the and abomination they should be severed from the ordinances of my house saith the lord verse 28 and there are many who have need to repent, whose hearts are set upon the things of this world, who aspire to the honors of men and do not honor the priesthood, nor seek to build up the kingdom of God as they should. Neither do they learn and comprehend. Verse 29, that the rights of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and the powers of heaven cannot be controlled nor handled only upon the principles of righteousness. Verse 30. Such should repent and turn unto the Lord and seek from the Holy Spirit to guide them. Verse 31. Judgments will, be, will begin upon my house and from thence they will go forth unto the world and the wicked cannot escape. Now we're on page 6 at 49%. Verse 32, blessed are the pure in heart, for my blessings await them in this life and eternal life in the world to come. Verse 33, thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants and apostles who dwell in the flesh, fear ye not, fear not your enemies, neither, or I'm sorry, let not your heart be troubled, for I am in your midst. I am your advocate with the Father. Verse 34, I have given mine angels charge concerning you. Mine eyes are upon you and the eyes of your heavenly Father and the heavenly hosts and all justified spirits made perfect are watching over you. Verse 35. Your works are manifest before the face of my servants who have sealed their testimony with their blood and before all my servants, the apostles whom I have taken unto myself. Verse 36. 
The veil is taken from off their faces, and they know of your works. They await your coming when you have finished your testimony in the flesh. Therefore, be faithful until I come. My coming is at the door. Verse 37. Call upon the Lord in mighty prayer and ask, and you shall receive. Whenever you agree as touching anything and ask the Father in my name, it shall be given unto you. Verse 38. Seek diligently to build up Zion and to magnify your high calling and your enemies shall not prevail over you. Verse 39. Zion shall not be moved out of her place. Zion shall prevail against her enemies. Verse 40. My people shall not be be hindered in the building of my temples unto my holy name. If they will hearken unto my my voice as and do as I command them. Verse 41. The blood of my servants, Hiram and uh, Joseph and Hiram, Hiram and mine apostles and elders, which have been shed for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, cries from the ground for vengeance upon the nation, which has shed their blood. And we're on uh, page 7 at 58%, and we're on page, uh, verse 42. But their blood shall speedily be avenged and shall cease to cry unto me, for the hour of God's judgment is fully come and shall be poured out without measure upon the wicked. Verse 43. But hearken and hear, O ye apostles, elders, and people of my church, to the word of the Lord concerning you, that for all the blessings that I will pour out upon you and the inhabitants of Zion and the judgments and destruction upon the wicked, I will be inquired of by you to ask the Father in my name to do and to perform these things for you as I have told all the house of Israel by my servant, hold on here, by my servant Moses, that they should ask at my hand for all the blessings which I, the Lord, have promised unto Israel in the latter days. Verse 44. And as I, the Lord, ordained mine apostles who were with me in my ministry and promised them that they should sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, so I say unto you, mine apostles, whom I have raised up in these last days, that I have ordained you to bear record of my name and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles first and then to the house of Israel. Verse 45. I have also ordained you to sit upon thrones and judge, judge the Gentiles and all the inhabitants of the earth unto whom you have borne testimony of my name in the day and generation in which you live. Therefore, how great is your calling and responsibility before me? Verse 46. Therefore, gird up the loins of your minds and magnify your calling in the fear of God and prepare ye for the coming of the Son of Man, which is nigh at the door. Verse 47. No man knoweth the day nor the hour, but the signs of both heaven and earth indicate his coming as promised by the mouths of my disciples 
the fig tree is leaving and the hour is nigh. Therefore, prepare yourselves, O you saints of the Most High God, with oil in your lamps. For blessed is he that watcheth for the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 48. Again, hear ye the word of the Lord, O ye mine apostles, whom I have chosen in these last days to bear record of my name and lead my people Israel until the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 49. I, the Lord, have raised up unto you my servant John Taylor to preside over you and to be a lawgiver unto my church. He has mingled his blood with that of the of the martyred prophets. Nevertheless, while I have taken my servant Joseph and Hiram unto myself, I have preserved my servant John Taylor for a wise purpose in me. Verse 50. I have also taken many others of the of the apostles unto myself, for I take whom I will take and preserve in life whom I will preserve according to the counsels of mine own will. Verse 51. And while my servant John Taylor is your president, I wish to ask the rest of my servants, the apostles, the question. Although you have one to preside over you, over your quorum, which is the order of God in all generations, do you not, all of you, hold the apostleship, which is the highest authority ever given to men on the earth? Do you do? Therefore, you hold in common the keys of the kingdom of God in all the world. Verse 52. You, each of you, have the power to unlock the veil of eternity and hold conversations, or hold converse with God the Father and his Son Jesus Christ and to have the ministration of angels. Verse 53. It is your right, privilege, and duty to inquire of the Lord as to his mind and will concerning yourselves the inhabitants of Zion and their interests. We're on page 9 at 75%, and we're on uh, verse 54. And whenever my, whenever any of you receive the word of the Lord, let it be written and presented in your councils, and whatever by the united consent you deem wise to be present up unto the people, let it be presented by the president, my servant John Taylor, as the word of the Lord, in this way you will uphold him and strengthen his hand, as all the burden should not lie upon one man. So, basically, Wilfred Woodruff is receiving this, thus saith the Lord, communication from Jesus Christ, but he's not the president of the church. Okay, he's part of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. He's next in line to become president of the church, but he's not that yet. So, um, and whether or not this revelation is true or not, I'm going to let you decide that. I personally don't really believe this was from God, but that's my opinion. Anyway, the principles that he's talking about are true. So, anyway, verse 55 for thus saith the Lord, all mine apostles should be full of the Holy Ghost of inspiration and revelation to know the mind and will of God and be prepared for that which is to come. Verse 56. Therefore let mine apostles keep my commandments 
and obey my voice, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Verse 57. Fear not, for lo, I am with you even until I come. I come quickly. Even so, amen. So that's the end of that revelation. It was given in January of 1880. Now let's read the notes. During the month of January 1880, I was at Sunset, Arizona with Brother Lot Smith, on here, and the brethren with him were trying to establish a branch of the United Order at that place. At this time, the government, through its officers, were using every means in its power to enforce the Edmunds Tucker and anti polygamy law with the evident intent on, par- on the part of breaking. Let's see with the evident intent on the part of the officers to break us up as an organized community. Being away from President Taylor and my quorum, I felt deeply distressed in mind concerning our conditions as a people. While thus exercising, exercised, I went into the wilderness, a region of country called by this, this name, situated about 40 miles west of Sunset, that's Sunset, Arizona. And while there, I stopped with two young men who were herding sheep belonging to the people of Sunset. I remained with them 10 days reading the revelations of God as contained in the Doctrine and Covenants and praying fervently unto the Lord to reveal to me his mind and will concerning Zion. On retiring to bed on the night of of the 25th of January, 1880, I found myself wrapped in vision, and the next morning the following revelation was given to me of the Lord, which I wrote at the time. And that is um, talking about this revelation, and you can find that in Wilfred Woodruff's journal for his... Um, Journal date, January 25th, 1880. Note 2. During the period of the extreme and unrelenting persecutions under the Anti-Polygamy Act of Congress, President Woodruff spent much of the time among the churches in Arizona and southern Utah. On January 26th, 1880, having retired for some days in the mountains, fasting and praying, he obtained important revelations from the Lord concerning the work of the Twelve Apostles and the events which would happen affecting both the church and the nations. These were submitted to President John Taylor and the Council of the Twelve Apostles and were accepted by them as profitable for doctrine, for comfort, for light as to the future, and for encouragement in the work of the ministry. Improvement Era, Volume 1, page 874. Note 3. After his, after his visit along the settlements up the Little Colorado, Alfred, uh, Elder Woodruff returned to Brigham City and later took up his abode in a shepherd's tent about 25 miles from sunset. Here he wrote letters to President Taylor and others and was especially thoughtful of Elder George Reynolds, then a prisoner of Lincoln, Nebraska. 
Elder Reynolds had been convicted of polygamy. It was here in this shepherd's tent that he felt the solemnities of eternity resting upon him and desired to know the mind and will of the Lord concerning the apostles and the nation and especially the purpose of persecution against the saints of God. On January 26th of um of 1880, in his journal, he says, I went to bed filled with prayer and meditation. I fell asleep and remained in slumber until about midnight when I awoke. The Lord then poured out his spirit upon me and opened the vision of my mind so that I could comprehend in great measure the mind and will of God concerning the nation and and concerning the inhabitants of Zion. I saw the wickedness of the nation, its abominations and corruptions, and the judgments of God and the destructions that await it. Then I also comprehended that great responsibility which rested upon the quorum of the twelve apostles. My head became a fountain of tears, and we're on page 11 at 95%, and my pillow was wet with the dews of heaven. Sleep departed from me, and the Lord revealed unto me the duty of the apostleship and of all the faithful elders of the church, our elders of Israel. The revelation was submitted to the quorum of the twelve apostles just prior to the April conference of that year. It was accepted by the body as the word of the Lord, according according to Elder Woodruff's journal, under the date April 4, 1880. On the morning following the revelation, January 27th, he said, I arose in the morning after the vision of the night. My heart was filled with joy and gratitude for a manifestation of the Spirit of God to me. It was given by inspiration of the Holy Ghost. I had read a revelation in the Doctrine and Covenants and prayed earnestly to the Lord to manifest his will or his mind and will concerning myself and my brother and the apostles. And the Lord gave me that revelation in answer to my prayers. And that's Life of Wilfred Woodruff by M.F. Cowley, pages 530 to 531. So anyway, that's the, uh, that's the 1880 revelation that I've talked about on the radio program. And, On the next podcast, we will be getting into the revelation of June June 27, 1882, which was given to John Taylor. So um, I'm going to try to separate each of these podcasts up into chapters or topics. So we're done for today. Anyway, um, thank you for listening, and uh, I will be posting this at 6 o'clock in the morning on the, what day is it, on the 7th of um, October 2021, so, and then um, the next program, like I said, it'll be um, the next revelation that I just talked about, so anyway, thank you everyone for listening, please uh, like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, and these informational teachings that I'm presenting to you people who are interested in the meat and uh if you'll 
give me a good review on iTunes, it'll help these podcasts to be known so that there can be edification by others. Also, you can share these things on your social media. Link uh, will be posted with the postings, like I said, uh, on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. So thank you everyone for listening. Take care. God bless and goodbye.